Gateway Gamers Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Gateway Gamers Podcast. My name is Brian Marvel, one half host of the Gateway Gamers Podcast. My friend and co-host RP is out. He traveled all the way out there to L.A. Uh, to support the writer strike because he thinks he is a fellow writer because he barely writes for this podcast. Um, so we're going to do the best we can without him, which I'm sure will just be just fine. Speaking of traveling, um, today is Sunday, August 6th, so it's the last day of Gen Con, which is the biggest convention for board gaming out there in Indianapolis. So some of you may be listening to this on your way back. And if you were there, I hope everyone had fun. Uh, a lot of people reached out, asked if we were going to Gen Con. And honestly, conventions are just not my thing. I don't think RP would have any interest in kind of going out there. The only reason I would want to go is to see you guys, to meet some of you guys, uh, meet some fellow influencers and media people. I think that would be the most fun. Um, I saw videos of the herd of people going into the entrance of Gen Con and just how crowded it is. And it's just not my scene. It just never was. I don't like conventions. I don't need to be there. Uh, most of those things that are there will be available, so I don't need to be there. Um, and I just like traveling, so I'm not going way out there. Um, if I'm going to go to convention, Unplugged, was it PAX Unplugged? In December's right in Philly, 20-minute drive for us. We'll probably be there if you want to come hang out with us. Um, but some big news out of Gen Con was Wednesday. Some thieves made off with $300,000 worth of Magic cards that's being reported. So I'm kind of like not surprised at this point because that this stuff doesn't happen more. So when I lived in Philadelphia, I worked for my friend's comic book shop, but we would do the big Wizard World convention, and I would help him out with that, set up for that. And it, it kind of was what I imagine like this is, it's uh, they bring all your stuff in, you bring the truck in, whatever. I'm sure a lot of people had to fly stuff out. And then Teamsters would kind of move everything and set it up. You couldn't touch your setup or set it up yourself before a certain time and then after a certain time because it was like a whole union teamster thing and here in philly it's like the mob so it's like if they catch you doing that kind of stuff you might get your legs broken and i remember being with my friend duke and his shop and setting up and just being like oh okay like and then we just leave like we would just set up the stuff and then you kind of just go home for the day while other people are setting up and you just trust that these other people aren't going to mess with your stuff or look over your stuff it was just kind of like oh, okay like i guess this is all just getting left here you just hope it's gonna be fine because it's fellow people and you don't they wouldn't want their stuff messed with so i'm not saying that's what happened but supposedly these two gentlemen came and had like a pallet lifter just put someone's pallet all their magic cards and just walked off like they looked like they belonged there so they were able to get away uh, they have pictures of who they think it is. They look like every white person ever. Sunglasses, t-shirt, pants. So I'll be surprised if they're able to get them just because if they did it by now, or at least they haven't announced it, the convention's over. It's like they either already fled with the stuff or it's in their car already or their van and just they're going to be heading home. But I imagine they has got the stuff that left. You get $300,000 worth of magic cards. You just bounce out of there. Again, whether or not they were meant to be there, I don't know. There's, it hasn't come out if they were 
again, Teamsters, if they were other people setting up, if they were just people that happened to wander in. But, I mean, if you have a pallet lifter, you either know what you're doing or you're working. Um, one of the big things from that was that uh, Upper Deck and Lorcana reached out afterwards. They were like, no, uh, our game wasn't the stolen product because Lorcana is the biggest thing at Gen Con. Right now, it's the Disney version of Magic the Gathering. It's their trading card game. It's been the hotness for a while. I know RP and I have been kind of looking forward to it. And people are lined for like 10 hours just to get some of the product early, even though it comes out in less than a month. But again, if that's what you want to do, go to a convention, wait in line for 10 hours, just so you can have the clout of opening decks online early, then whatever you need to do. Um... But they came out and said, hey, it wasn't our stuff that was stolen because some people were reporting that it was them because they were running out of product already uh, pretty much one day into the convention. So they put out a report and said, hey, uh, our stuff wasn't stolen. We just didn't bring enough. So whatever. Like if that's you want to undersell your game to create more hype again, whatever you got to do. Um, and I will say it. Lorcanas, there are other games that were kind of announced, uh, like I said, Sunday, now, and there was no big bombshell announcements of games. Games are tricking out here and there, and it nothing jumped out at me too much. There's a few games here and there that I was interested in, a few games that I was just like, oh, okay, like, that's cool. But Lorcana is definitely the big hotness at the convention right now. Uh, so I watched videos of it played, I've seen... Other people kind of reviewing it. I looked at the artwork, and I'm sound kind of underwhelmed by it. It it's nothing. I don't think it's anything revolutionary for a trading card game. We've had so many trading card games at this point with different IPs that kind of floundered. We had Transformers that was hot for a minute and went away. Uh, Digimon was huge for like a couple months. It's still around, but I just feel like no one plays it anymore. I, it's just magic, Pokemon, and like even Yu-Gi-Oh is just kind of like there at this point. It's just been around forever. That still has legs. I'm just I'm curious how Disney Lorcana is gonna do. It's, right now it's the hotness. The IP is there, but gameplay it's just it's whatever. It's just another trading card game. I know they had a big lawsuit from I think from Upper Deck. I think Ravensburger's putting out. I keep messing it up. Ravensburger is putting a game out. I keep mixing up Upper Deck because Upper Deck was suing them, saying that someone who worked for Upper Deck on one of their games went to Ravensburger and stole the whole design. I don't know what he stole because it looks like any game ever. It looks like it looks like Magic. It looks like Pokemon. It looks like Yu-Gi-Oh. Like it just it looks very similar to everything else. I think I don't know. I just, I wasn't as excited after kind of seeing it played. It's just very generic. Um, that being said, RP and I will buy starter packs. We will review it. We will cover it because uh, we're IP junkies. We do love an IP. And it's going to be the hotness. So if we can get a hold of it, I'm going to try. But it's probably going to be hot for a while. Uh, I did reach out to Ravensburger at one point and I was to try to get early access. And this is a long time ago. So. I reached out to them and just kind of like basically begged, <laughs> like, just, hey, please help us out. Uh, no response, nothing. 
they put up a content creator link to kind of, again, plead your case on why you should get early. Nothing radio silence on their end. I haven't really seen too many people early reviewing it, so I don't know if they send it out and there's just a do not talk about till a certain date type of thing going on. But not for us. There's a no gateway gamer love for Rabbids Burger, even though we've shown them plenty of love. However, I'm going to shift to a company that has shown us love from the beginning is Stonemeyer Games, and Jamie Stegmeyer over at Stonemeyer Games um, has been a big supporter of us. He runs a program that kind of helps out us smaller uh, content creators where he'll reach out and offer us a list of games to kind of cover. It's great. If you don't know Jamie Stegmeyer, um, I really suggest following him on social media. He's very much out there. He's always posting videos, going live, uh, just kind of going over how he creates games, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that's really interesting that uh, you kind of don't see from other publishers, from bigger ones. And uh, just a nice dude, just kind of always putting up cat pictures on Instagram, which I, I appreciate. Breaks up the monotony of just him promoting games. Um, so I really suggest following him, Jamie Stegmeyer, Instagram, and all the other socials. Uh, just a great dude. And he reached, well, his company reached out to us, and we chose to review Rolling Realms. Uh, so Rolling Realms is a roll and write, uh, which isn't one of my favorite type of gaming. So Roll and Write is a style of game where you use a pencil and paper to kind of write uh, what you're doing, kind of track your results uh, depending on the game. Uh, the newest kind of incarnation of that are these roll and write games where they involve erasable boards and erasable markers to kind of tally everything. It's a neat thing, but they're usually just smaller games, games that I don't get to the table a lot, games that I don't play a lot. So I was very curious about this. I was like, okay, I know Stonemeyer has a great gaming system. I know they have all their games have a solo variant, which I'll talk about. So I was like, you know what? Like, I think this would be perfect for our P&I. This is a perfect game to kind of introduce. It's a very gateway game. So I'll give you some stats. So Rolling Realms came out in 2021. MSRPs for about $19.99. One to six players. Plays for about 30 minutes. Uh, ages 14 plus. Designed by Jamie Stegmeyer and published by Stonemeyer Games. So one of the neatest things for me about this game is it was designed during a pandemic. Uh, Jamie Stegmeyer wanted to create something that you could play over Zoom with multiple people. Uh, he has a bunch of videos up that you kind of learn how he designs. Again, very behind the scenes. I like seeing how games are designed. So he would have like version one and version two, and you would meet with him weekly and log on and like see his process and then also play with him because uh, you only need two dice. I think you could, at the time, you could print and play a very basic version of this game. And again, I think that's really neat. Like he took something like the pandemic and was just like, hey, like we're all stuck here. Let's, I'm going to design this game. We can all kind of play together. I thought that was a great idea and a great way to make a game. And I'm sure he got input from the people he was playing with. Like it just, it seemed like a really cool idea. And I liked that concept. Um, so in this game, uh, you have two dice. You'll be rolling the dice and then scoring stars according to the realms that you're playing in. Now, the other neat thing about this game is it's all realms that are based off other Stonemire games. So we have uh, Charterstone, Wingspan, which we played, Libertalia, 
Scythe, My Little Scythe, Euphoria, Pendulum, The Society, which I think was Red Rising, the game based off the books. So there's it, it's neat that he's taking these other games that he knows, and these are kind of like advertising. It's a game based in his universe, which I thought was another neat concept for a game. So at the start of the game, everyone gets 11 of these realm cards. Uh, you randomly draw three, and each person playing also plays with the same three. Uh, everyone gets a dry erase marker, a resource card, a score card, and then like an eraser pad just so you can kind of fix any mistakes. The game is played over three rounds with each round being nine turns where each player plays simultaneously. So what you do is you roll the big dice, uh, the two numbers that are on there, each person uses their numbers. So it's a two and a three, those are the only numbers you have access to at the time. And then you have to activate your realm, so each realm or card is like a little puzzle in itself. One example being the tapestry card. So it's fill in the shape, which is a big grid, and you have to get a row or column filled in. So imagine it's a big square filled with like four by four squares in like a, a three by three row um, and column. And you have to fill that in. So depending on the number that you roll, you get basically little Tetris style pieces and use your marker to fill in the grid as best you can to create a full row or column to get a star. And the point of the game is get the most stars more than everyone else to win. So if you get a one, it's just like one little square. If you get roll a two, it's two squares in like a just a column. If you roll three, it's a L-shaped square. And then as you get four, five, and six, the pieces get bigger. So you're using those dice that you rolled and the numbers to fill in that big square the best you can. Now, if that sounds a bit confusing, it kind of is. It's a very visual game, so it's kind of hard for me to explain all the cards without kind of seeing them. So I suggest if you're interested, check out many of the YouTube kind of channels that have the cards themselves and explanation. They are a bit confusing. The rule book does a good job. The cards themselves have rules on them, but it's still just like a little fiddly to kind of figure out exactly what they're asking for so i myself just looked up youtube videos that broke it down once i knew what to do it's easy it's it's fun it's like a fun little puzzle so like i said you have three of these cards in front of you you're rolling the dice and you're solving these puzzles to try to get the most stars so you only have two number options between the three cards you can only use one number option for one card so if i have Euphoria, I can't use two of the dice on the one card. I have to pick two. Now, if I have dice that don't fit the card, you have another card that's your resources, and you get pumpkins, hearts, or coins. So what they can do is you can put the, your numbers from the dice there to kind of gain resources to help you out. So if you get, like, two of the pumpkins, you can adjust the die value plus or minus one. So if you roll a three, you can make it a two, or you can make it a four, depending on what you need. Um, now this is where your actions don't affect everyone else. So everyone has their own kind of cards for resources. So if you rolled a three, you could be like, well, I'm changing it to two. It doesn't affect everyone else. They can't do that unless they also have two pumpkins. Now, if you have three pumpkins, you can adjust the value by one positive or one negative again, but you can also use in a realm you already activated. So as I said, with the other example of if I had this Euphoria, I could use both of my numbers on that one card where normally you wouldn't be allowed. Uh, if you have two hearts, if you roll a pair, so if you get two sixes, 
you gain an additional six for that. So you can use the six on all three cards. If you use three hearts, you gain a die the same value as either the rolled dice. So if I roll a two, a four, I can have an additional die that's a two or a four. Uh, two coins that the sum of the dice is rolled as seven, gain a die the same value as the rolled die. So if you roll seven, it's four or three, you can get another four or three. Uh, that one I don't use a lot because <laughs> it's not rare that you roll seven, but it's just like you have so many other resources you can kind of fiddle around with. That one coming up is just kind of like, eh, okay. And then the other one is three coins. You gain a die value of X. So you can change it to a one through six. So it's like you need a three for one of these cards. Just use three of your coins. You can turn a die or you don't even turn a die, you gain an additional die, and you can just use it to whatever you want. But to get these resources that are super helpful, you're limiting your turns of using them on the realms themselves, so it's a good mitigation of trying to figure out, I can gain these resources that can really help me, but I'm using one of my die to not to fill out a realm that somebody else is filling out. Because like I said, you're trying to play other players because you're playing other players as they're playing, so you can kind of see what they're doing. Uh, after the three rounds, any of your leftover resources is worth 0.1 of a star, so if you have a bunch left over, it can add up to a star or a percentage. That's kind of it. Uh, like I said, when you're playing the main game, it it's fun, but it's just very, like, solo play in a group setting. There's no player interaction, uh... So it's like the one kind of knock that I have against it. But I, I think it's neat. I like the mechanic of the puzzle of trying to figure out, oh, like what what am I going to do with this die that I have? What am I going to do with the resources? What am I going to, where am I going to put these things? And then, like I said, each card is a puzzle in itself and some of them interact well with other ones and some of them don't. So it's kind of random that each game you're drawing three. Um, they're putting out more cards for this game that are based off of now other games, not just Stonemire games. So I know he just came out like Ruins of Arnak, which is another type of game. So it's it's a game that's growing and it's doing well. Like I, I like this game a lot in a solo mode, which is what I'm going to talk about now. Because I like this game as a solo game so much more than a group activity uh, so the solo mode turns it into an 18-hole round of mini-golf, which is super fun. Like, I love mini-golf. I love the idea of having par that it kind of gives you. So uh, the solo mode is like a whole different booklet. It comes with a course log like you would, like a little pencil thing like you would a normal game of mini-golf. And each hole kind of gives you specific pars and specific rules when you're playing. So like uh, hole one is called early birdie. It's you. It tells you what realms you use. So you're using Charterstone, Scythe, and Tapestry, and the only rule change is that you play only seven turns instead of nine. And then as you go, there's rule changes for each one, which affect the game. So uh, the one hole five, you cannot choose to not use a die that would have been used, so you can't just opt out of using a die which I don't know why you ever would anyway, but that's one of the rules. Um, the one hole 11 is whenever you would score a star, you must spend 
a coin first. If you don't have any coins, the star is lost. So it just kind of creates more of a challenge than just kind of rolling die and just doing whatever. It, it It's fun. Like, I don't know. I wish more games would do solo mode. I know generally a lot of people kind of poo-poo like games that have solo, and I'm just not sure why. Like, I personally will buy a game more if it has solo mode, and all Stonemeyers have a fantastic autonomous solo mode, and I, it's just because I don't have like a steady group that I kind of play with. Um, my wife isn't a huge gamer, she'll humor me, but some games just aren't for her. And I also just use a solo mode so I can learn the game to teach the RP because he's not really a gamer, so sometimes I need to really know and understand the game inside and out to be able to teach him quickly while we're recording. And I'll usually do that through the solo mode. And I just, I think this solo mode is so much fun. Like I, I don't play all 18 holes. I'll just kind of play here and there. I'll sit and I'll play like one or two holes, put it all in a box, move on. And then like a day or two later, play the next three or four, just on a whim. I played this game a lot. Like I think it's, like I said, easy to set up. Um, it's all great components. It just kind of, it works. And I enjoy sitting there and like solving the puzzle of the three cards that they give you in a solo mode and just kind of figuring out like, all right, do I want a pumpkin right now? Do I want coins? How will this help me? Where can I put this three? Can I turn this three into something else to create a four? Will that help me here? Like, it's just, it's a lot of thinking without it being hard. It's not a hard game by any means. It's just I think just like a thinky little puzzle, like doing a crossword or some other little activity more than it is a game. Um, so for that, I think if I had to recommend this game, I would, like wholeheartedly. I think this is a great game and activity. I Again, in a group setting, it's fine. You're basically just playing solo anyway. It's just you rolling dice and then whoever you're playing with or multiple people just filling out their little cards there's not much interaction like because i feel like you're just kind of thinking so you're just rolling a die and then just filling it out just like yeah but again a great zoom game which is what it's designed for but as a solo game i recommend this if you're a solo player if you like rolling rights i think this game is fantastic i think this will scratch the itch of that you have that you love solo games that you love roll and write games it's a fun little puzzle to kind of do and a price point $19.99 like I said a couple weeks ago anything under 20 is basically free so it's a free game um 20 bucks it's portable you can bring this to a friend's house you can play this on a plane uh the dice are giant they're I've talked about how much I love dice before they're big clunky dice that sound good they have a good weight um the components are great it's for the few roll and write games that I've kind of played that used um, dry erase markers, these are the best. I don't know what brand these are. Um, I almost want to reach out to try to get more from him to use for other things, especially as a teacher. I use a lot of whiteboard, and these are some of the best markers. They don't leave a residue. Uh, it, they're just great markers, and I would love to know where Jamie Stegmeyer kind of got them from. So I can reach out to that company and buy in bulk for my classroom. But uh, that's Rolling Realms. As I said, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great 
puzzle. It's a great solo game. I would highly recommend it as a gateway gamer and I think a little bit of a more matured gamer that's kind of played games if you like rolling rights. That's it for today's episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, hopefully next week RP will be back from the strike. Hopefully he realizes that he's not a real writer and those real writers out there kind of boo him out of there as a scab or whatever. I don't even know what he would be considered. And he'll be back joining us next time. Um, until then, thank you so much. Be sure to follow, be sure to rate, be sure to subscribe, all that stuff. I don't even know what it's called anymore. And uh, check out our Tee Public store, our Redbubble. If you want to buy some merch, help us out. And thank you so much, and see you next time.